Hello friends, how are you? My name is Colm and this is the Sober Mess podcast and you're very welcome. Today I'm joined by my very good pal, Kieran May, who is a mindset and human performance coach and also a public speaker and I'm absolutely chuffed and delighted to have him on to talk all things mindset, all things performance and just creating an overall great life for yourself and a solid mindset. So Kieran, how are you bro? I'm good, Colin. Thank you very much for, for having me on. What an introduction. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure, man. Absolute pleasure to have you on. And I love it. Uh, I really love your content, man. It just, it's so positive and it's uplifting. And yeah, I, I really I just get so much out of it. And I'm a big believer in like a, a holistic diet that like the content and the pages that you follow on Instagram, the people you hang around with, the food that you eat, your sleep, your habits, environments, they all contribute to your overall holistic diet it's everything and that and that in turn will 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 i suppose improve your mental health physical health emotional health and intellectual health and, and your spiritual health absolutely yeah i think in a sense we are a product of our environment up to a certain degree um but the beautiful thing is that you can consciously change your environment at any time even if it's as simple as the the pages you follow, the pages you interact with, the conversations you have, the books that you read. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge reader. I think one book can change your life. So we have more control over the trajectory of our life than what we've been led to believe. And for me, it's just about making better decisions on a daily basis. You know, are you going to spend time in nature or spend time in a pub are you going to read the book or, or, or watch netflix it's humans we have this infinite fast reserves of potential and it's on us and it's up to us on how we choose to express that on a daily basis i love that so i'm in a struggle and i'm in a dark hole and what book would you recommend for me to read to change my life I, I've been there, Colin. I, I've been in a dark place, like finger on the exit button. I've just had enough. And I wouldn't say that it's it's a book. For me, for me, it was an acknowledgement that I need help um, and having conversations with family and with specialists. But certainly when you start to climb out of the dark hole, uh, it's hard to pinpoint one particular book. I think for me, I left school at 15. I, I didn't really have an education. I, I didn't read books. I didn't do exams. I didn't do A-levels, none of that. And I suppose for me, it's just educating myself, you know, uh, just reading, just making the choice to read. Oh, God, it's hard. it's hard to pinpoint one book. Uh, what, what I'm reading at the minute that's right beside me, and it's maybe a saying to discuss this, is Deepak Chopra, uh, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. Mm. Um, and for me, the two go hand in hand, spirituality and success in business life or sports. Um, a very, very timely reminder for me. I, I felt as if I was close to hitting burnout again last week. And a friend had said, I, I want you to read a book and I want you to read a chapter in particular, which is chapter four of this book, which is all about going with the flow. 
and achieving more whilst doing less, which I've always found hard to accept. Um, so it's maybe a side to to talk about that book, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. I think it's a great starting point for anyone. There's maybe only 100 pages in it. It's very easy to read. But I think reading is a skill. I think sometimes we recommend books that can change your life from you know, Napoleon Hill or, or the Bible to some people or different ancient texts. But I think when we when we somebody says, oh, go and read this huge big text, it can almost set you up for failure. Somebody like me that grew up on a housing estate, if you'd said to me, oh, I want you to read this thick book with hundreds of pages, I would have been completely overwhelmed. So re- reading's a skill and sometimes it's great mm-hmm. to start small. You know, there's... There's great books that I've found really easy to read at the start, such as The Alchemist, uh, The Four Agreements, Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. They were short, concise books. And I suppose as I started to get better at the skill of reading, I was able to not just read more books, but really study them. Uh, and I think that's been that's been probably a blessing in disguise for me, Colin, in terms of I've never been to university. I don't have a degree. I have to study books. and I'll, I'll mark over pages. I'll highlight sentences. I'll underline phrases. And sometimes I'll read a book three or four times to to alert, to digest. Whereas some people I know read books and throw them to the side. And for me, knowledge is only potential power. You know, I, th- I think the key is when you, when you actually embody the lessons from the book and integrate it into your daily habits, um, but when you're in that dark place, I don't want to say, oh, read this one book and it's going to pull you out of your black hole. Mm. I think it's about realizing that you can get out of the black hole, that the light always exists. Yeah. And once you start to be able to breathe and have that bit of hope again, that your life can change. Yeah. And the best way for me is longevity, is, is making small very small habitual changes on a daily basis that make it part of your lifestyle as opposed to thinking one book's going to cure my depression or one retreat or a, a conversation with one person, you know? Mm, I love that. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Like, if you gave me a book a few years ago when I was in the middle of that struggle, I wouldn't find it relatable at all. I wouldn't connect with it, you know, because I haven't... I suppose taking the journey, I haven't climbed enough mountains to appreciate the view, you know, and 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 then over the years, when, <clears throat> sorry, when I started to do that that bit of work on myself, you know, I started to get a lot more into, you know, spirituality and and philosophy, and a few of the books you mentioned were real game changers for me. Like you mentioned, The Alchemist, I've read that book. We have that book here, you know, and um, I love the, the Man Search for Meaning, Victor Frankel. Uh, you know, what, what, a game changer for me as well was the power of now, Edgar uh, Tolle, man, and just learning that I, I look, I, I such an active race in mind, and I was just never present. I was always in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people, and I could never be there. I was always wanting to be somewhere else. I wanted to get something else. And when I read that book, it just it taught me to be in the here and now, be present. Look, appreciate the view, you know, take a deep breath, relax, go steady, go still, or as you said, go smooth, like, you know. Um, but if you gave me that book a few years ago when I was still in that dark hole, 
I, w- I wouldn't have done anything for me because like you said, I needed to get out of the hole, do that bit of work on myself, you know, and become teachable and, 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 and you know, and let that light in. And I think um, Leonard Cohen has that quote, you know, there's a crack in everyone, that's how the light gets in, you know, and that, I suppose that, uh, struggle that I was in did crack me open and, and let a lot of light in and when I had that light in I became teachable and I became willing and I became I suppose desperate to, to, to change and get out of the place I was in if that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah I, I think I, I love that word desperation and, and this is the thing when you're in the dark hole the likes of desperation and the likes of disgust is a good thing you know Pain is a great teacher, and when you are in pain and you use those big emotions such as desperation and disgust to springboard yourself out of it, you know, it can be a real catalyst for change. People think personal development is is love and light and it's all positivity. And any mentor, any person that I've had a conversation with that are really exploring themselves, like at a deep level and and asking themselves the big philosophical questions like what is my purpose what is my potential they have all been in the dark you know they've all been through the shit is is it necessary potentially maybe you have to go to the dark to see the light i'm not sure but but certainly i know a lot of people that that the pain the disgust the trauma has been a catalyst for their success And, and i know now when i look back at my life I was always blaming people, blaming circumstances, you know, blaming my upbringing. And I suppose the day and hour that I stopped blaming people and took responsibility for my own thoughts, feelings and actions was probably the first day I really truly started living. Mm, I love that, yeah. I heard someone say to me, what does G-O-D stand for? It's the gift of desperation. Because like that, when when the pain of staying the same gets worse than the pain of change. That's when we change. Mm. I think Cabra Mate has that quote, but um, yeah, I can identify so much, man. And yeah, pain pain is an activator. You know, it is that thing, you know, where we need to, I suppose, sometimes go through the rain to appreciate the sun, you know. And another quote that I love is, you don't find the light in the light, you find the light in the dark. And yeah, so... Kieran, tell us a bit of like what made you get into coaching and, and want to help people. What was the inspiration for you? Yeah, I think Colin, I, w- I was always, I was always into sports. Um, and my father, typical Belfast man, you know, he we grew up in a, a tough house in the state in West Belfast, kind of late eighties, early nineties, where the troubles were still um, active. And my father was a tough guy, and he used to say, win at all costs. You know, I remember as a child, like one of the older kids in the street hit me, and he was like, get out and hit him back, win at all costs. And I, he instilled that, that hardening of the character, which was probably to my demise in later years. But as a, as a young child, he always had that resilience. Um, I got into powerlifting in my late 20s and went on to represent Northern Ireland in powerlifting. I went to the, the Commonwealths in Newfoundland in Canada. And I was always really interested in how far you could push the human body and how far you could push the, the human mind. Um, 
but it wasn't until 2018 that I actually got into coaching people. Uh, there was a young, young, young kid called Robbie in August 2018 that, that worked in a gym that I was working in at the time, and he tragically took his own life. And he was a great kid. I mean, still to this day, a smile, a smile would light up a room. He had the world at his feet. He had all this potential. He worked two jobs. He, he, he was training to be a personal trainer as well. He was a good football player. And even though I only knew him for a short time, it really affected me. You know, it just seemed like this tragic loss of, of potential. Um, and off the back of his funeral, I, I just remember being really impacted by his funeral that there was hundreds of kids crying. And I suppose I had accepted that old people die and that it's part of life. But when I seen such young life going, I, I couldn't understand it. So I used to take his group of friends, some of them, uh, we used to do barefoot running on the local park during the winter when there was ice and snow on the grass. And we used to say, okay, we're going to run 12 full laps of the pitch. I think that was a kilometre. We're going to do it in our bare feet. You're not allowed to stop till, till you get to the end and we're going to swim in the sea. And the whole big emphasis was, lads, like, you can't just hit the exit button when life gets tough. You have to develop resilience. Like, just hitting that button isn't good enough. Life gets better. You're only 18. You're only 19. There's going to be ups and downs. That's life. But it's resilience that's going to get you through those tough times. And that's how natural resilience was essentially born. I then started thinking, okay, if I can take men, young men that are struggling with with their emotions or lack of emotions um, or addiction or anxiety, if I can just give them a bit of breathing space by getting them into nature, up into the mountains, into the sea, having it going camping, and that was the start of it, really, you know, getting people into nature. Um, I then started studying more about the mind, like why, why do some people feel as if they're a slave to their mind when other people see it as this amazing creative mechanism? And it just developed a healthy obsession of, of, of all that, you know, communication, um, NLP, different kind of like sports psychology. Um, and then when lockdown hit, sports finished and at that time I was coaching a couple of athletes and I was out of work and I thought okay is there a blueprint can I use this blueprint with working with people that are struggling or working with athletes that are really successful because I started looking at both fields like the Olympic athletes and the, the, the man that's struggling with his emotions or addiction they were the same species but there was just difference in their upper their, their thought process and the decisions that were that were making on a daily basis, and so I started delivering the same training to, to businesses and business owners, and it's really taken off since since lockdown. Thankfully, thankfully, there's now an appetite, and it's probably lockdown has brought it on where it's made people stop and think, "Fuck me, I, I've been alive the past thirty years, but I can't remember anything because I've been going so fast." So lockdown was good for me in terms of I was able to I was able to get out of one track of thought with, with who I could help and really expand it to go into schools and businesses and sports teams and youth clubs and um it's it's just evolved since there, Colin. That's beautiful. I lo- I love that. And I love the way you found that connection between like 
you know, business people and, you know, addiction and athletes. And what did, what would you say is like the correlation between everyone that, that's something that everyone struggles with? But I think we're all human. This, this is the thing. We are, we are a species. We are all human. And regardless of if you're an addict or an Olympic athlete or an entrepreneur, that's just a hat that you're wearing. That's just a role. You know, each of those people take their hat off at the end of the day and they sit in the toilet and have a shit. Like, like they're all the same. <laughs> There's, they have much more in common than what they have in difference, and I think, I think societally we we have changed in terms of we're we're very we're very reliant on technology these days. We, I I, I know in the north there's there's and all over Ireland generational trauma. There's been the likes of the the influence that the church has had. I think we're a very fear based nation. Um, and I think, I think the one thing we struggle with is the disconnection from from nature, from communities, from proper proper conscious conversations like this. You know, another another acronym I had heard was one for ego, which was edging God out. Mm. You know, a lot of our conversations now are egotistical. We're not having like, Colin, how are you? How's your day been? How do you feel? You know, what's your dreams? What's your aspirations? Nowadays, when men get together, it's about Man United and look at her and go doing bets. So I think I think collectively we're struggling with this massive disconnection from self, you know, like who we truly are underneath the hat or underneath the role of athlete, entrepreneur, addict, man, woman, whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah I can totally identify with that, man. You know, I remember... Sitting on bar stools and broken and lost on the inside, but being the funny, ch- uh, chatty guy on the outside, you know, and just talking about superfic- superficial things, you know. It was like, you know, talking about the football, did you watch the match, did you watch the boxing, and, and deep down, you know, I was struggling with anxiety, you know, I was struggling with depression, I was having panic attacks, you know, I was an out of control alcoholic, and I didn't know how to bring these topics up because no one else was talking about it. You know, uh, when I when I came into a twelve step community, then I heard grown men normalizing the articulation of their feelings and their emotions, and you know, n- something that I never heard of when I like growing up in my household, you didn't really talk about your emotions. You know, you there was no like we all spoke the same language, but no one knew how to communicate. It was like violence or the, vo- the, the sorry, it was silence or the, the, the violence of silence. You know, no one knew how to talk about their emotions, you know. And um, so it grew up with like this emotional constipation, you know. There was no effective communication, you know. Um, and yeah, then when, when it came into a 12-step community, I heard other people talking about fear and anxiety and, you know, a feeling of inadequacy and low self-esteem and... I was like a meerkat listening, going, yeah, yeah, I get this too, I get this too. And it was them talking about all the, you know, the the intangible things, you know, the, the things on the inside of the head that I, you wouldn't be sitting in a bar with the lad and saying, here, Anto, get us a point of feeling insecure, like, you know. But like sitting around and hearing like men 
talking about their feelings and their emotions and what's going on for them and saying, yeah, look, I'm struggling today. I don't feel enough today. You know, we, you know, just, I'm, 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 you know, I'm rattling with depression or anxiety, you know, and, and then someone else telling their story to say, yeah, I, I felt that last week, but you know, I, I, this is how we got out of that dark hole. And, and that's the beautiful thing, you know, my, my, like you you get around a circle of people of who have been in the hole or are currently in the hole or are on the way out of the hole and everyone's there to help each other, like, you know what I mean? And a big part of my daily recovery is how can I help the man that's still in the hole, you know? And, I'm, and so, it, so I'm helping him and he's helping me. And it's all about service and giving back. And as you said, that's how I eliminate that ego, you know? My, my ego's not my amigo, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think... Beautiful. I, I I love. I just love that. I think. I think for men, I think we've been brought up in a way that to show vulnerability, it's it's been conditioned in us that it's a weakness, and that weakness will be preyed upon. Whereas I think there's an awful lot of strength in vulnerability. Um, I I heard a, a great quote recently, which was, "There is strength in vulnerability." To be vulnerable is to be human, and to be human is the greatest strength of all. Well, and it really resonated. Like, who are we to think that we're perfect? That we that we have no vulnerabilities whatsoever. You know that we that we need to constantly get up and get on with it, and and, and showcase our strengths without acknowledging that that we do have emotions. We're emotional beings. That we have needs that, that need to be met. That we have desires that. We have very basic, you know, elements of the psyche in terms of like just more than, than shelter and food, but like that yearning of connection with another human being, with another male, with another female. I mean, it's really important that 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 we prioritize that as opposed to chasing status or materialistic stuff. You know, we need we need to chase the the soul enriching stuff first. Yeah, yeah, that 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 is true, and I think uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier on, going down the the wrong roads, you know, I needed to go down them wrong roads to realize that the materialism just won't fill that that spiritual void, you know, that inner thing that I'm missing, and that's what I was struggling with for a long time. Is that I always wanted something. There was always something missing. Always something just not. Right, and if we just get it, then I'll be happy. If we just get the car, if we just get the relationship, if we just get the promotion, if we just get that body, if we just get the Ironman or the marathon or the Jiu Jitsu medal, then I'll feel like I'm enough. Then I'll be okay. And I was just this constant uh, needing to be repaired, needing to be fixed, always feeling like 80% and the 20% was like in touching distance. I was nearly full. I was nearly there, you know, and it was just exhausting, man, when you're constantly seeking to endeavor to be completed and just nothing scratches the itch. You know, you might get a, a short, quick hit gratification and you feel good. You got the marathon or you got the promotion or you got you have a few a bit of money there and then it just all evaporates and you feel you're going back to that that void feeling and go, oh maybe it's the next thing you know and 
It wasn't until I was going to introduce the spirituality and meditation and nature that these that feeling started to, to go away, you know, like going down for a sea swim, going out hiking, you know, even like, you know, just grounding myself in nature, being present in, in the outdoors and getting around a like-minded community. And, you know, I always get this sense of belonging when I'm out in nature, you know, and I always get that when I'm around the like-minded community, that people have the same mad head as me, like, you know. And for someone that never felt like they belonged anywhere, it was always fitting in, it was always wearing the mask. So it was always the chameleon trying to morph into all these different characters and roles to be liked and accepted and validated, you know. But when I when I got sober and I I, I realized I discovered the power of nature, I just found wow, well, this this is where I belong. I feel okay here. I feel accepted and wanted and you know, safe, you know, when I get into the sea or I'm up in the hills or whatever. And I get that same feeling when I'm with a, a like-minded community. So I think um, I think a good community is vital. And I love seeing all these circles that are coming about and a lot more people promoting mental health and promoting having a like-minded community. And, you know, it, it is good to see that um, people are getting more comfortable uh, reaching out and asking for help. You know, there's still a long way to go. But it's great that that is there if people become looking for it. Um, and back to our original conversation, that usually people that come looking for it is when the, the fire alarm is going off and they're getting desperate enough to say, right, I need a change. Yeah, I think, I mean, a, a couple of great points there. I think community is so important. Community is so important. Sometimes when you're when you're in those dark places, you can't see it. And I think that's why it's so important to keep putting out messages like this because you don't know when you're a light for somebody that's in that dark place. You know, and, and it could be one post, it could be one conversation, it could be the way you walk down the street, it could be a smile, it could be a passing remark, but you could be the light for somebody else when they're in that dark place. Um, and then when you see other lights starting to prop up, it changes everything. But uh, when, when you start studying humanity, like we are tribal, we are we are meant to be in the tribe. We are meant to be in the community and the family. We aren't meant to be, you know, we're not meant to get up in the morning and, and have a sugar loaded cereal to sit at a computer screen for twelve hours to what eat a microwaveable meal and, and watch TV on our own and do it again and again and again. And I think that's why the likes of depression and that and anxiety is so so high even though this is the most comfortable era in history, uh, is because we are missing that sense of community. That's, uh, when you're with other people that are of similar, similar mindset to yourself, it's almost, it's almost a form of regulation, you know, co-regulating your emotions. You feel safe. It's, you feel confident to continue on in your journey. You don't feel alone anymore. Uh, and it's really, really important to surround yourself with people, even if it's for a dip or for a meeting or, you know, a hike, a, a conversation, whatever it may be. And funny, I, I told you about the, the young fellow that took his own life. After that, he had been putting into his group chat with all his wee friends, laughing emojis, you know, laughing emojis. And, and this is the thing. All his other friends were sitting in the room, seeing the laughing emojis, thinking, "Oh, he, he must be, he must be happy. 
Now, if they had seen him face to face, they would have picked up on the fact that he wasn't happy. We are losing that skill of kind of communicating without even having to speak. You know, your your closest family members, you can tell if they're in a bad place or a good place just by looking at them, just by being in their company for 30 seconds. It's, it is vitally important to be in the presence of others and be present when being in the presence of others. Mm, yeah, man. It, yeah, it, it's so true, isn't it? And see, that's what it is, man. What, what I found that over the years, I was so unauthentic. You know, I was a genuine phony, you know, a legitimate faker. That I, I didn't know... It, it, I didn't know how to be myself, you know, I was acting like, I was trying to be a tough guy, and I wasn't a tough guy, you know, I was, like, super sensitive, I hated confrontation, but the the circle of people I was hanging around, you know, I thought that was the, the archetype I had to, to to play in order to be accepted and liked, and and the other end of that, my spirit knew, this isn't you, this goes against all your core values, like, why are you doing this, you know, and to numb that feeling of uneasiness I, I drank and used drugs you know and I suppose when it came through that I, I started to realise that hold on I actually I'm into reading books I'm into nature I'm into like training and you know all these types of things that I thought oh that's not something people like me you know I wouldn't be into that at all um, but yeah when you're, you're in that struggle man as you said, you're like sending the laugh, the emoji faces, you're having the crack, you're having the banter, you know. And again, it's just this disconnect between your head and your heart. You know, your heart's feeling one way and your head's trying to perform on, on the play, like, you know. Um, what what are some of your own personal uh, strategies for dealing, like for, for resilience and keeping your mindset sharp and I suppose keep, keeping your own mental health in a, in a good place? Yeah, um, I, I would be a big sea swimmer. Um, for me, nature, I feel nature really regulates my nervous system. Um, I, I like to maybe take a day a week. Now, it's something that I've neglected during winter, and I've felt it, you know, I've felt that agitation. So now that the, the weather's starting to change, it'll be back to booking a day off just for me, just by myself, and going into nature. Um, in terms of developing resilience, Something I've done for the past four or five years, Colin, is get up early in the morning and jump in the sea. And I started doing it through an experiment. I was powerlifting at the time, and I busted a blood vessel in my eye while I was squatting. And somebody said, get in the, get in the sea and get the salt water around it to clean it out. That was December, about four or five years ago. And I get into the water and as I submerged down, I remember thinking, what the fuck is that? It was the first time in my adult life that I had experienced silence before. Yeah. You know, a bit like yourself, very much an analytical thinker. Uh, my brain felt as if it went a million miles an hour. And I experienced silence. And I remember I remember nearly crying. What, what, what is this? You know, it was so alien to me. And... That was the 21st of December. On the 1st of January, a week later, I did a New Year's Day swim for, for cancer focus. And again, felt that, that sense of, of relief. Uh, and so I made myself a promise that it was good for me. I knew it was good. There was no come down. There was no side effects. 
that wasn't harming anyone. It was just positive benefits. And so I made a promise to myself that every day for a year, I was going to run on the beach and get into the sea. And I followed sunrise the, the full year, apart from Christmas Day. And what I learned in that year by sticking through that was getting up is hard. When you get up early, it's hard. Getting into the sea when it's raining or snowing or it's cold is hard. But sometimes doing those hard things and being consistent with it, your character and your resilience develops, you know, using the compound effect. And for from someone that used to get quite stressed in life, I felt as if there was a bit of a muscle memory effect where things that would have stressed me out, you know, things not going my way, traffic, homeschooling, I dealt with it with much more clarity. And I believe it was just through that consistent sticking to one thing and doing it. Um, and then as that developed, I suppose I had the capacity to develop a bit more self-awareness. You know, I, th I think I think having that self-awareness, and it's, it's something I still try to build on. Uh, you know, before before we came on the call, I was saying to you, you know, I need to slow down. A busy start of the year, and I felt it. And I think it's that self-awareness that allows you to catch it before it gets it crippled you. Because again, a bit like yourself, I used to walk about with so much anxiety. I used to walk looking for bins in case I was going to be sick with nerves. And so now, with developing, you know, knowing I need to regulate my nervous system by getting into nature, knowing that I maybe need to have a conversation with my wife, knowing that. Um, I maybe need to take time off work or that I feel great and that I can work optimally. It's just that that self-awareness, I think, can, can help develop any human trait such as resilience, such as positivity, such as courage. It all starts with self-awareness. I think awareness is the key to liberation. I love that. When you were talking about the fear and anxiety and, and needing the bins, what do you think was the cause in that? I think, I, I think, again, not being my authentic self, you know, um, I grew up, think, the, the oldest of four, grew up in a tough area, and that you had to be the hard man. You know, my early 20s, covered head to toe in tattoos, big into the rave scene, big into partying. And I am not a hard man in any way. I'm a big lovable guy, you know, I have a, a big heart. I hug people, I, I hate confrontation, I love, I love love, you know, and I think because I put on that mask for so long, because I thought that's what you had to do, and I wasn't being my authentic self, that I just lived in, in a state of fear, you know, that somebody, somebody was going to hurt me, or somebody was, was, was I suppose there was a confusion as well because I had the mask on. I didn't know who I was. I was almost afraid of somebody saying, who are you? Because I didn't know the answer. I didn't know what I'd be able to tell them. And so, and so when I look back now, that angry exterior, you know, that big tattooed exterior of keeping people at arm's length was, and that defensive mechanism, realistically, it was just trying to protect the lost little boy, you know, and the lost little boy, was sad and he was lost and he felt as if he was going through life without a map and so I think the anxiety and the fear was probably my body's way of telling me stop living like this be yourself 
And, and, and when I joined the dots now, I think when I really did hit that dark place, it was for years and years of ignoring the anxiety, of ignoring the depression, the stress, the fear, thinking that's 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 life. You know, doctors are telling you, oh, you, you have anxiety or yeah, you, you, you're depressed or Karen, you have PTSD. Then you think, oh, fuck, shit, well, you know, I just have to get up and get on with it. Whereas now with the likes of reading Dr. Gabor Mate and, and, and these people, you realize that it's a trauma response. And we're more aware to look at previous traumas and, and how they're playing out in, in everyday life and actually do something about them, you know? That's powerful. I, I can relate to all of that. Yeah, 100% man can totally identify from that. And for you, like, what, what was your rock bottom when you said, right, I want a different life, I want to change the way I am? So I I think with maybe, maybe my whole 20s struggled with anxiety. And late 20s and the end of 30, depression, stress, and I remember going to the doctor one day and I said to him, listen, I feel as if I'm about to explode. Like, I, I, I feel as if I'm about to explode. And chaos is going to happen. Like, chaos is just going to happen if I explode. And he had a conversation. He says, Kieran, I'm going to give you these tablets, antidepressants. And I took them for the first time. And it melted me out. And I was like, I need to get off these. So I did everything, you know. I was reading up on all this. So I was like cutting out alcohol, cutting out fast food, um, cutting out certain people. And months of me trying to get better, I still couldn't shift this, this feeling within me. I felt as if I was going to explode. I felt as if my, my head was on fire at times. And... I was, I was trying everything and I just got to the point where like nothing's working. Nothing, nothing I am doing is working. I'm incurable, you know, and I can't live in this pain anymore. And I remember about to hit that button and I just thought, I can't, I can't leave my loved ones with questions, but it was like, okay, I need to change. I, only I have the answers. Um, one of the, the big things that helped me massively was I, at my first ayahuasca retreat. Um, it really opened me up to my emotions, you know, particularly love, getting the, the feel love, like genuine love, um, a, a level of love that I'd never experienced before from within. And thinking, right, okay, this is what other people feel. And then having the integration to think, okay, well, if, if I'm able to experience that in the here and now, I need to experience that in the every day. Um, and that was that was a big part of my process from somebody that was diagnosed with PTSD. I, I didn't feel emotions. It genuinely, like a level of numbness. So I didn't feel where I could have maybe observed something on, on TV, like a catastrophe or, or got delivered bad news on a personal level. I genuinely didn't feel anything. It was more my, my analytical mind would have went, well, how would I react to that if that was me? Or, how, you know, I just almost disassociation. Mm. And 
then when I was associated back into my body and there was lots of tears, I mean, I, I was quite literally the boy that didn't cry. You know, my father was a boy, don't cry. I, I probably didn't cry from six or seven years of age until my early 30s. You know, so it was all just that pent up, but, which is not, it's funny now that I, I well, I can find it funny because God's sake, Karen, you wasted years there, you know, but this is why I'm so passionate now about having conversations like this, um, even sitting in men's groups to say that they're about being the strength and vulnerability, you know, and, and to be able to have emotional intelligence. Uh, and I actually think once you start to grasp the concept, of being able to explore your emotions, you know, anger, sadness, happiness, then it, it really allows you to change your behavior and, and change your results in life. Um, so I thankfully, thank God, I, I can look back at that darkest moment and say that it was the start of the best days. Yeah, that's beautiful. <clears throat> Yeah, I love that. I love the way that uh, I suppose all that struggle kind of led you on this journey of healing and connecting with your emotions. And yeah, man, like that as well. I can identify so much. Um, not knowing how to feel, like looking at other people for like social cues. And oh, now it's just the time to be sad because the 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 gang are sad, or now is the time to laugh. Or you know, I was so disconnected with my own emotions that I didn't know when it was the right time to display what emotion um, and yeah man you know true this was doing doing a lot of work on myself I never I went I never I've never went down a psychedelic route Um, you know I've I've, I've done a lot in t- t- types of like you know kudalini yoga bread work you know uh, shamanic kind of uh, experiences uh, through through breeding and out in the outdoors and nature and you know when I found things like that really really helped me like um, and yeah and, and as you said like it's accepting that we're all human that we all have clay feet and part of the human experience is that you know we all have emotions and we're going to go through that emotional spectrum where we get the big highs and we get the lows and you know we don't get them big lows anymore and I don't get the crazy big highs and I like that I'm like in the, in the middle, you know, and I can function emotionally and I can deal with my emotions when they come up. Like when the catastrophe ha- happens, I don't go running away and denying it or going into victim mode or anything like that, you know. And we feel my emotions, I accept my emotions and, you know, and I can say, right, what's the effective thing I can do? Do I need to accept the situation? Is there any action I can take to change it? Or you know, or what's what's the next right thing? But um, yeah, I'm just I'm just yeah, I'm just really grateful for uh, where I'm at today. But Kieran, I'm just I'm aware of the time, and I just want to ask you a few quick fire questions, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. So, so what's the greatest advice you've ever gotten? Be yourself. Just simply be yourself. I, I spent so much of my life trying to, to fit in with people I didn't want to be around. You know, and that even saying that, it doesn't make sense. The best advice was just be yourself, whatever that looks like, you know, whatever that feels right to you. What's the worst advice you've ever gotten? 
win at all costs. Yeah. Just to win at all costs, and you don't realize the extent of that until the cost is too much. You know, win at all costs. Burnt myself out. Um, neglected family duties, neglected all these things just for that that belief that you have to sacrifice everything to achieve one thing. Mm, beautiful. And I, I, I actually had to, I had to reframe that doing work on myself, but winning had to mean something different. And now I, I, it's now for me means what's important now. If you could go back and give yourself advice when you were a 20, what would it be? I feel a bit emotional actually thinking about that. Just that, that don't give up. Life is, is a beautiful adventure and it's, it's a blessing just to be alive. Mm. I love that. What's something that you still struggle with today? I, I struggle with, I have seen that if you put the effort into something, it creates momentum. So, so whether it was in powerlifting for me or, or whether it's in business, I, I have seen that when you put effort in, you get results. I struggle with, with fully surrendering to the process and having, having complete faith in, in God or the universe that things will flow to me in abundance if I just go with the flow and it's something I'm working on. I, I still, I still have struggled with that, you know, balance between what's important now and my meditation and being present and this belief that I have for so long that you have to work hard to get this. And, and that's where I'm at at the minute column is to try and to let go of that old paradigm, that old belief of, you know, you have to put in all this effort, and trying to be more effortless and, and truly go with the flow. A bit like yourself, I've, I've been into breath work and meditation. Um, and I think I still have a lot of work to do in terms of just slowing down. Mm, yeah, I can identify a lot with that. Mm, yeah. What was the quote you said at the start that your Navy SEAL friend said? Yeah, so a friend of mine, Marty, He's, he's a former Royal Marine and, oh, and him Marine, and I yeah. go hiking. And I was saying to him, like, Marty, I need to go with the flow. I, I, need, to, I need to have trust. And he was laughing. He's like, fuck, I know what you're like. Uh, and he says, well, a great saying that we had in the Marines when we were going through Afghanistan and when we were going through territory with, with minefields was to go slow is to go smooth, but to go smooth is to go fast. Mm. You know, and, and it was basically saying that when you slow down, everything happens for you. You know, it was like, how, how are you going to see this opportunity when you're going too fast? Be smooth, be consistent, slow down and embrace the journey. I love that. Okay, last question for you. What is your perspective of happiness today? Happiness today is in those moments throughout the day that you just feel fully aware, fully at peace, fully content, whether it's in conversation with your child, whether it's a hug with your partner, whether it's watching nature, but when you just feel 
that you're not separate to the moment itself, that you're just part of that moment, that, that you have just become part of it. Um, and for me in those moments, it, it's just pure happiness and pure joy. And I suppose then for me going forward is to just experience more of those moments. That's beautiful. Kieran, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. If someone wants to get more information on your mentoring or your doing your talks or your seminars or workshops, how, how can they find out that information? Yeah, so the, the website is natural-resilience.co.uk or they can find me on Facebook or Instagram as Natural Resilience. That, that's beautiful. Kieran, enjoy your C-dips. We'll have to catch up for a C-dip soon. Yeah, here, up here, of the woods. I would love to. Yeah, I see you swim at forty foot, man. Every every day, every day. Yeah, well, I'm going to make a promise to you here, so I have to hold myself to accountable. I'll get down and I'll get a, a seat up with you. I can't wait, man. I'll I'll turn the immersion yeah. on for you. So <laughs> <you> some more. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Carl. Thanks, brother. Thank you, Kieran. Keep shining, Chat to you man. Soon. Thanks, man.